Can you hear me? What is up, dude? <laughs> What's up, bro? It's been a minute, huh? I uh, know, right? It's been a I while. Mean. Welcome back to another episode of All Things Red. On today's show, I have a great guy to say the least, Trevor Vargo. My man, how we doing? Good, man. Good. So, for people that don't know you that are listening, who uh, who who is Trevor? What are you, what are you all about? Who is Trevor? So... Trevor's a guy who grew up in West Falls, New York, with two little brothers, a couple really close cousins, uh, grew up outside playing sports, went to college, played lacrosse, decided to be a doctor, and has been engulfed in that life ever since, and met a lovely lady along the way, my current fiance Ashley. Um, that's where we're at right now, man, just chasing down my career path <laughs> yeah shout out ashley congrats on the engagement gotta shout out ashley of course of course <laughs> so uh you and i met because you went to orchard park high school i went to lancaster we played against each other all the time in lacrosse and i don't like i mean you guys fucking beat us every fucking time so it's not even like it was uh you could say rivalry because rivalry you gotta have wins and losses and it was just Whoa, straight hold on it a was, second hold on a second Yes, we did win a lot of those games, but dude, there was there were some really tight ones and there was some bad blood along the way. Uh, I remember uh mm-hmm. oh my god, sophomore year of high school, JV lacrosse bench bench clearing brawl in Lancaster. Uh, yes, oh yes. I thought you were on varsity. I didn't know you were. I was not, dude. Cullen was on varsity, so he wasn't there, but myself, I was on JV, man. <laughs> Yo, what's funny about that is when that happened, I don't eat me myself, like, I, obviously after the fact, you know, but like when it was happening, I had no idea that that like what led to that. I just remember seeing like you guys book it onto the field and yeah. then we were just like booking it on the field. And then like people just started throwing hands with each other and it was like, oh, all right, we're just brawling. It was <laughs> crazy, man. It was insane. And then like our our AD was at the game and afterwards yep. he like came over and was fucking screaming at us and stuff like that. And then um, I'm not going to lie, like we'll get right into it. But like when I had my visit at Mercyhurst, because like I said, I didn't know you. I only knew right. you from like that and that experience. And then yeah. like, my junior year, that was before Recore went to Timon. Um, okay. And that was like before I transferred to Timon for a hot minute, but I came back. But that was like you guys had, it was like you, I forget who even played, the one Collins kid that was really like fast. Collins, yeah. Yes. And then you had uh, Kane as well. Um, Brendan Kane, though. Yes. Brendan yeah. Kane, not Chris Kane. Yeah. Um, you guys have Brendan Kane. And then we, it was Orchard Park and Clarence that were the only two games that were actually games for us. Everyone else was torched. And then we we were we were putting up serious numbers because like we had Recore and we had like a decent team. Yeah, and we Recore was his name, right? Yes. Yeah, and um and we were just like, All right, we're just like, I think this is our year, we're gonna beat like Orchard Park and we had like a lot of confidence too, but it was also a lot of like like you're saying, like bad blood confidence. So we yeah. We were, like, it was always chippy and shit like that. But, like I said, that was probably, I think we lost you guys by, like, two or three. But that was, like, the closest it ever got. Other than that, it was always. Well, we did go into overtime one year. Yes. I remember. I the... That might have been our my senior year, I think. Because we played yeah. you twice my senior year. One time at the turf, that wasn't really, like, a good game. And then when we played you guys there, I think, was our second one. And it went into overtime. Yes, and I remember what you'll laugh about is it was right after I committed to Hobart. Yeah. I was uh I was all like riding that confidence wave and then it was the game was on spectrum and then okay. bef- the before the game they did like a little feature like the guy wanted it was uh Lane Collins's dad that was doing the uh like reporting from spec for spectrum. Okay. I believe like doing the lacrosse and then he was a Hobart guy so like just because of that, like, they wanted to do, like, a little, like, oh, he just committed to Hobart, you know, first kid going D1 out of Lancaster, like, all that shit. And yeah. I, you know, obviously when you're young and you're getting some attention, you start feeling yourself. And I'll never forget, first play of the game, Brennan King subs out of the box, and I'm just standing there as he's running towards me do- about to dodge. And he hit me with the hardest face dodge and danced me and then just went bar down. And that was the first goal of the game when we played you guys. And I was like, oh, fuck, dude, this is going to be a long game. I was like, and oh, as I was running back, 
I was running back towards the sideline, like my coach is bitching at me, and then like you guys are all like yelling like at me from the sidelines, and I'm just like, yo, this is gonna be a long game. Like um, this is gonna be such a long game. So but, I do not remember that exact moment, but I do remember Brennan Kane did have some silky hands. That kid was good. Yeah, no, he was really good. And it's funny because when I came on my visit uh, to Mercyhurst, um, you were actually no, 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 no. Uh, no I, I take that back. I was considering I was considering Hobart at the time. I didn't commit already yet because I, when I went on my visit to Mercyhurst, so I'll back that track up. The timeline wasn't correct. Right. Um, but when I went on my visit to Mercyhurst and Coach Ryan was like, yeah, I'm going to stick you with Buffalo guys. I'm going to stick you with – I thought I was going to be, like, with, like, Wags and Maloney. And then he's like, yeah, I'm going to stick you with Bargo and Colin. I'm just like, oh, yeah, this is going to be awkward. Oh, <laughs> I, was just, I, I was like – You're going to have to remind me of the entire events of that night. I will – At some point today. Yeah. Well, you – this is the thing. It caught me off guard. I'm not going to lie because you and Colin were super nice and you were super oh, yeah. welcoming. And I was just yeah. like, all right, I don't know if these kids are about to fuck me. They're punking me. Like, and you guys were like, yo, you should definitely come to Mercier's to be a great time. Like, what other schools are you looking at? And yeah, you guys were just super, super nice. And the story that I have that I told you before we got on this about uh, that I have of you is we were pre-gaming in uh, – what the, what's the freshman dorm again? Oh, God. Uh, um, uh, no. Well, I'll think of it. Literally right next to the field. I know. I can't think of it right now. Um, well, anyway, you I guys, forget, dude. I, I, I is it hurt, hurt? No, it's not hurt. It's um. Oh my yeah. god, I'm blanking too. But anyways, Baldwin? it's the freshman. No, no, Baldwin no. was the girl. Ward, Ward, Hall. Ward. Yes, Ward. It was Ward. There was Baldwin. Was the yes. was the girls. Macaulay was the males. Yeah, and then Ward was co-ed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. And I, I remember we were pre-gaming, and we were bumping levels by Avicii. We <laughs> pre-gaming. Obviously. And, yeah, and then we took you took us uh, – you took – I forget where we went for some house. And then, like, you you and Colin, like, refused to let me pay for anything. You're just like, yeah, what do you want? Like, what do you, we're getting a 30. Like, we're getting a 30 in a bottle. Like, is this good with you? Like, we'll all just split it. Like, I'll yeah. carry a book bag, grab your beers out of my book bag, da-da-da. And – I just remember we got we got to the house party and the house party just going crazy to Avicii as well. And I remember I texted Megan and I was just like, because you know him, he's a little EDM rat. Oh yeah. And <laughs> and I was just like, yo, because he was like, yo, how to go with uh, Vargo and Colin? Because he was he was probably expecting it to be awkward or like shitty. And I was like, dude, I had a fucking great time with them. Yeah, and I'm absolutely. like, and and I was just like, and I got a new song for you. And he's like, whenever he hears any Avicii song or ever he hears the levels, he yeah. it just brings him back to like when I called him the next day and was like, yo, they were bumping this all the time. So it's like a little like. Funny yes. Mercyhurst story that, that always reminds me of it. That is so funny, dude. Well, I'm glad you had a good time. I uh, I like do vaguely remember that. I remember we had like a ton of recruits. I can promise you that like probably yours was one of the best times we had, if not the best. We had some bad ones, man. Like I had a kid wake up in the middle of the night and pee on my bedpost. <laughs> And I remember Cullen waking up and Cullen like picks this kid up and like puts him in our shower and like he turns on the water and just hoses this kid down in like the middle of the night. No clue who this guy was. And then we got to return him to Coach Ryan the next morning. You know, it's like, gosh, what a time. What a yeah. time. Yeah. So, I so know. you're saying that you, myself and Cullen introduced Tyler Megan to EDM. No, no, no. He's always been an EDM rat since day one. But Levels by Avicii, yes. Oh, that's awesome. And then, and then, anytime he hears Avicii, he always just because when you were at when you were still when you were living at Goat House, um, Avicii, we would always play Avicii like Broken Arrows and like other songs by Avicii. Yeah. And Megan just forever is just like anytime I hear Avicii, it reminds me of Mercier's just from like me showing him Levels. Yeah. And then obviously like always being at Goat House, we were always like bumping it. Yeah. So uh, he just ties. He ties Avicii to Mercier's, which is Dude, funny. I do too, man. I totally do too. Uh-huh. And uh, one thing I wanted to ask you. So pretty much, you know, when I did transfer to Mercyhurst, that was kind of like a little, I know it was funny because Megan was saying that like you and other people were like, no chance he actually comes here. And then when I got there, obviously like 
you had me as a recruit and stuff, but I don't know if you remember this exactly, but I, the first team meeting I had right afterwards, you came up to me and you're just like, Hey, like, um, what's good. Like, if you need anything, let me know. Like you're part of the boys now. Like we're all, we're all, we're all one team. We're all like ride or die together. You didn't say it exactly in those exact words, but this is pretty much the roundabout. Yeah. And it was just, uh, to me, I, you probably don't even like know this, but I appreciated that so much. And that actually is like what led me to not being so like, uh, in my shell because at Hobart, like, it was fun, but it just wasn't me. And I was just like, I got to get the fuck out of the school. And then when I got to Mercyhurst, I went to Mercyhurst, came in the same thoughts of like, okay, like I didn't really fit in at Hobart. Yeah. I had a great time and, you know, made a lot of, you know, lifelong friends there and stuff, but it's just like the culture of the school wasn't me. And then I knew I was going from a division one school to division two school. And it was, I would be competing with like you and other kids that already had a spot. So like, I was like, okay, are these, I hope these kids don't think that like, oh, we got this kid coming in. He's probably going to be a jackass. And, and you know what I mean? Like, you know how that can get like misconstrued when you're young and immature and stuff. And then like you guys, like from day one, you Colin Torpy, were just like, yo, you're one of the boys now. So like, you're the new guy, but anything you need, let us know. But other than that, like, let's just fucking have a time. And after the first practice at family first, it was my birthday and you oh, you and you and i was taking my cleats off and you and torpy came up to me and you're just like hey like uh yeah it's supposed to be we're supposed to be dry right now because it's uh pre you know preseason or whatever but uh we heard it's your birthday and i'm just like yeah I'm, I was, that's all i said i was just like yeah and they're like all right cool they're like don't even they're like go home shower change real quick and then meet us at the stone and oh. when i got to the stone there was literally a platter of like, it was like the three wise men and it was just like shots, uh, trash can. You guys were all just sitting there and it was like, I remember it was you, Colin, Rogan, um, Torpy, trying to think who else was there. Fucking uh, Colin Brady was there because Colin had a fake ID at the time. And then you guys were literally just like, okay, we're staying here until you finish all these. Then we're out because we're technically not supposed to be here. But it was just that the second I got to campus, you guys were just immediately like, so welcoming and so like all right let's make sure that he feels as though he's a part of the team and he's part of the boys and he's part of the crew even if that wasn't your intention i i I, you know now that you're on here i had to say that because that is something i'll never forget and i think about it too because i'm just like you know how many kids either transfer or go or are freshmen and they get into (laughs) a situation where they naturally are already feeling uncomfortable but people don't do that for them Right. Well, I mean, it goes back to like what you're saying. So this whole thing, like in high school, right? Like your, your whole outlook on stuff in high school is different. Like you're, if somebody's on another team, you know, everybody hates each other. If you're from the town over, I, you know, I don't like you. I don't like this. I don't like that. And when I got to Mercyhurst and I met the guys there and this, I don't know if this sounds cliche or not, but like I had, that's how I was welcomed when I first got there from like all the guys above me, right? Like one of the first nights I got there, the seniors are like picking us up in their cars. They don't know who we, who we are. They're like taking us out, showing us the town and all that good stuff. Right. So when you're received like that and like, that's how you were brought in, you kind of like, without even thinking about it, do that for other people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, and exactly. I realized there, dude, like it didn't matter. I know other schools, like I didn't play anywhere else. So it's hard for me to, um, kind of perceive how their teams interact like on and off the field. Mm-hmm. But I mean, exactly what you're telling me with Hobart, like the difference at where we were was like, everybody was seriously like brothers. Mm-hmm. And I don't really know why. I think it's because we did. I mean, and you know, firsthand that we got crushed, like trying to play that sport by our coach. 100%. So, I don't know if it was like we straight up got up out of bed to go to battle every single day together. And then like, obviously we vented in our ways after practice and on the weekends and everything else, but guys who didn't play guys who never touched the field were, you know, just as much in a piece of that team as the guys who had scored all the points, you know? And I think Mm -hmm. that is like why we were the way we were. 
So no, I, I completely agree. I had one of the first episodes I did was with Convery, and he okay. said that he said that he goes, you know what? Like I knew right away that I wasn't going to be contributing and I wasn't going to be playing, but I I could do my part in celebrating and going crazy on the sidelines. And, and he did, like man. He did yes. that. And you yes. want to know what, dude? That guy ends up playing his senior year and like getting. I think he started in a few games, and I know that because. I watch these guys, like, even though I'm gone, it doesn't matter. I'll still watch their games. I still do. I still know what's going on with the team and stuff because those guys are my brothers, you know? Yeah. It's like uh, you were already gone at the time, but you were still at uh, LeeCom doing whatever medical stuff you had. But when we had Casey Dowd as our coach, um, he was saying when I had him on, he was saying that because he played at Siena and obviously now he's playing in the PLL with the Water Dogs, but – he says he tells uh, the kids he coaches at Colby College now, and he's just like, yo, like the culture of Mercyhurst lacrosse and the culture like that I've experienced at least from Mercyhurst is nothing like I've ever seen before. It's just like he's like everyone from whether you're the guy, the top guy on the roster, or you're the dude that literally will never sniff the field, like everyone is contributing in some way, shape, or form. And he's just like the craziest thing to me was that you guys were all like brothers and best friends off the field. Yep. And it wasn't like clicky or anything, but yep. on the field, there would be practices where we would have to blow the whistle to get you guys off each other. Cause you guys were literally like throwing hands with each other, just beating yeah. the shit out of each other. But then oh, the yeah. second the whistle goes and you guys walk off Tulio, you guys are like, all right, where are we, where are we grabbing dinner tonight? All the boys. <laughs> da, da, da. Yeah, he dude. just said that he he's never seen something like that before because, and again, like I'm not saying word for word what he was saying, I'm just summarizing it, but he was saying that a lot of, a lot of schools are not like that. And a lot of it's, it's hard to have so many kids that are used to like always being the man and playing in high school to get to the next level and being like, yeah, you're technically a nobody. We already got this guy for this position and this and this, and then being able to get those players that necessarily aren't playing or aren't contributing to buy into the bigger picture. Right. Yeah. And I think like some of the reason, you know, looking back at it because of everything we go through, like you, for example, or any other transfers we got, which weren't many, we had more people leave than come in just because I think it was a hard life. But um, when people come in like you did, it's like you're going through that shit with us every day. Like you're grinding. Why would we treat you any different than someone who's been here? You know, Uh so no, 100 percent can stick that stick you know, any amount of time out there and get through everything without, I mean, we complained, but a hundred percent make it through. I have respect for. So now you, you being a captain, I obviously it's going to sound like I'm gassing you up, but it's just a yep. general thing. I I've never thought about before, but most people in my opinion that are captains or at least captains I've had, they feel as though that being a captain entitles them to being a coach in the sense of like, yeah. if you fuck up bitching at you or being like, what the fuck? Or like trying to be that, like, not not tough guy but being that like rah rah like i'm the man type thing yeah um just just to appease the coach because it's like oh i'm a captain i'm in a position of power so i get to delegate and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and one of the things that again like will never leave me is we were at family first we were doing two v twos and i forget who was i forget who it was and it was actually me and you doing the two v twos i want to say it might have been rogan it was calling the the rogan pause yeah, we were on. Okay. It was me and you doing two v twos, and yep. Rogan kept hedging the right side, like because he knew I was going to go right, and then I just kept splitting to my left. And Coach Ryan right. was just like, "That's not the fucking." He's like, "Stop." He's like, "Stop. Go over to the right." And he'd be like, "You're six three, six four, whatever. Run through people." Yeah. And I remember, I remember just being like, I remember like talking immediately talking back to him, being like, "That that's just that doesn't work." And I remember like you yanked me on my jersey a little, and we were on the sideline. Um, you're just like, yo, just rule number one, don't ever talk back to him, just agree with him and just do if like if you know that's gonna be um if you know that's gonna be an open look and you know they're gonna be doing that, do it in a game. Don't do it in practice, just appease him. Yeah. But it it was never like it was never you were never like, dude, what are you doing? Like it right. was not you you were always just like, yo, I, I get what you're doing and you're actually making the right play here, but yeah. for the sake of the drill and for yeah. the sake of like him not running us into the ground more than he already does just do it this way but if you need to do that in a game do it so it's like those little things uh gave me more confidence to like fuck up in practice or like to to do those things now did you being a captain was that something that like you actively like were like okay i need to be this way or were you just always naturally that way i don't think i ever thought about like how i acted i just kind of you know i never like tried to be somebody i wasn't per se 
So, Uh you know, everything I did or said was like genuine in the moment, probably looking back, like I definitely think about things I could have done differently, Uh but for the most part, like, I think it's just because I didn't, I didn't view myself as better than anybody out there, right? Anybody can get through practice, you know, have a good day, get into a game, fill a spot, right? And I, yeah. had, you know, I had nothing to, I had nothing to brag about, like nothing to really show for. I didn't win a national championship, right? Wasn't an All-American. So like in my mind, man, I had so much to work on myself. Why would I, you know, act like a superstar? I just needed to play my role so that we could win any way we could. Right. So, um, and then when it came to like talking to people in practice, I know, I know how good people are and I know how, you know, the talent they have and what they're capable of out there. So I think the biggest thing for me was just like knowing the guys, knowing what the guys needed and like being able to read the team mood and and like kind of reacting to that. So like if I'm, if the team's getting dragged, right. Like for a week, everybody's down, we're getting crushed. Like, the boys don't need to be yelled at, right? They don't They don't need that, and that's not my role. The guys need somebody to, like, answer questions, go to if they need something. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just kind of tried to be, like, kind of cognizant of the fact that I still was a role player on the team, wasn't better than anybody else, and, you know, I didn't need to be above people. I just needed to be, like – almost leading by example for the because we had a young team that year man we, oh my so, gosh yeah yeah i don't know kind of just trying to do things by example I, I yeah guess. no i just i had like i said i just had to ask that because i played with tons of kids that were um captains but i felt and i'm not like saying this in like a talking shit way but i just felt that they were captains because they were they were uh i don't know the proper word but it was more so of like they were the yes man for the coach yeah, you can't, well, and, yeah, yeah, and it's like, yo, why, why, wait, time out, why the hell, like, why the hell is he a captain? He doesn't even get the respect of all the dudes in the locker room. There's this kid who's not a captain that we all go to for things more than this kid, like, but, um, and that was the thing is like, you were never like, at least in my, my experience with you, even though, because I only played for a year. But, like, that's that's how I was. Like, I thought for sure that in practice you were going to be one of those guys that's, like, rah, rah, like, w- come on, like, screaming at us when we were fucking yeah. up just to appease the coach. But you never yeah. were. So that's yeah. why I wanted to ask that. Yeah, I don't even think there was room for that, dude. I'm just trying to survive while I was out there just like every other guy. You know? <laughs> just no, trying I know. to get myself to Egan after for my next meal without puking. Bro, I'll never forget when we were in Tampa and it was right after we played Florida Southern and he fucking made us run during that because we kept fucking up in practice. And oh I think it was like, God. I think it was like Crow or someone that was like, like screaming and was just like, this is fucking bullshit. We got to play Tampa tomorrow. You're running us in the fucking ground. Da, da, da. Yeah. And you were just like, yo, just, just, yeah. D- d- say that later. Like, we just got to get off this field right now. Yep. We're all God dying. Yeah. We're yep. all like, yeah. <laughs> everybody's dead. No, literally, oh, you were just God. like, yo, just whatever we got to do to get on the bus. Like, just stop talking, please. Let's just crank these runs out. But um, did you get – was was Mercyhurst always your number one go-to? Or was there, like, other schools you were contemplating before going there? Like, what uh, led you to go to Mercyhurst? So, I, like, applied to a bunch of spots, right? And I, I mm-hmm. really don't think I got recruited that much in high school. So, mm-hmm. I contacted a few places. God, I can't even remember, like – I think the only D1 place I really was offered was maybe Canisius. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, to be honest with you, I went to uh, – it wasn't even like a club lacrosse. It was just Orchard Park lacrosse. I think we were playing in Syracuse. Um, and one of the – Coach Burke, that's who it was. Coach Burke from Timon. Uh, his brother or something was the coach at Mercyhurst at the time. Yeah, Brennan. Yes, so he, uh, yeah, I think Coach Burke, right? Yeah. So he was at Mercyhurst. He saw me at a Syracuse tournament, came up to me. He's like, oh, you're from Buffalo. Where are you going? And I was like, no, nowhere. And he's like, <laughs> all right, send your, he was like, if you have any film, send it to Coach Ryan. We'll look at it. I s- didn't even send it to Coach Ryan. He had me down for a visit. I stayed over with Jake McAndrew and uh, his roommate at the time, Rob Fayak. I had a great time, just like you had. Mm-hmm. And I just ended up going there. And I think what stood out to me is like, I didn't even think about the divisions. I just wanted to win. Like I just yeah. wanted to be on a winning team. Um, and then it turns out I got there and I loved it. So 
I think that was really like the only school I really couldn't even considered. It was like the first one that popped up. It kind of just fell into my lap, I guess. Yeah, because I know when I had Ben and Derek on, Ben was saying that he because uh, his brother's name's Ian, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, he said that he always knew he wanted to go to Mercyhurst. He was just like that that grind of the D one. He's just like that just wasn't for me, even though I yeah. could do it. Yeah. Um, he was just like I just saw how hard the guys at Mercyhurst partied, how close they were, and then obviously they they like won a title. So I was just like, yeah, I'm fucking coming here. So. Yeah. Um, but I didn't, I didn't know that side of Mercyhurst though. Cause like I said, I only, right. the only sense I had of Mercyhurst was I had, you had me as a recruit and I had a fucking hell of a time. It was probably the best recruiting visit I did. Good. Um, and then when I was like, I want to transfer, I, Mercyhurst wasn't even on the radar. It was right. all like other D1 schools and D1 to D1 mid year, you have to sit out for a year. And yeah. then I remember just like being frustrated with that, being like, I still want to play. Like, I just don't want to play here anymore. Right. And Megan jokingly was like, oh, transfer to Mercyhurst. We'd love to have you. And I was like, you know what? I'm like, obviously I can't because I don't have my release yet. I'm like, but, and obviously coach can't talk to me either legally. Right. I'm like, but just mention it to coach Ryan, ask him what he would think. And he was just like, if you're serious about it, he said he absolutely would take you. And yeah. then that's when I'm just like, you know what? I got two years of school left if I don't get a fifth year. Um, right. As much as I had fun, I was also equally as miserable. I'm like, I knew Mar <laughs> I, I played, I played champion with Marco. I played champion with Mr. Man and Megan. I'm just like, you know what? I, I knew, I knew you, I knew Colin. I had a fucking great time with you guys. And I just was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm out. I'm going to mercy yours. And it was literally like that. I didn't even really like talk to coach Ryan. He just, afterwards, he was just like, you know, what's the real story? Like, why do you want to leave? And I'm just like, it has nothing to do with lacrosse. And he was just like, all right, well then yeah. Um, he's just like, then, uh, he sent me like a bunch of paperwork that I had to do for the NCAA. And then yeah. obviously that's how I landed there, but it was literally like a spur of the moment thing. Like Megan mentioned it to me as a joke. And then I'm like, wait a second. I did have a fucking great time with those guys. Might as well. Yeah, well, uh, I think coach, he really wasn't like selective of who came. I think he just, uh, was, I think he was really good at what he did. And like, by the time guys got up there, then they just played and to it, you fell right into our laps too, because you were fucking fun as hell when you were there. Well, like I said, having that experience with you. And then the second I got there, everyone just being like, yo, you're the new guy. What's good. Like, just let you know first party here and then when i the first party at the goat house i ever went to when i walked in because i got there i got i got there late because i was doing something with me, i think me and mr man went out to dinner or something yeah. and as soon as i walked in the living room everyone was just like yo meet the new guy and like i said it was so welcoming that i was just like okay i could just 100 percent be myself and like yep. these kids are just down to have a good time so fuck it i'm gonna be crazy while i'm here <laughs> yeah that was fun man do you think that house is still standing or what I don't know, but it's funny because people like always like people always bring up like Goat House and they're just like that place was crazy. And it's yeah. I don't I don't think like Mercy is how it is now. Like that yeah. it's, it'll never be what it once was. But I don't that's think so. Good. Well, that house was like started by the guys who lived in it for two years before us. Pat Maloney, Jake McAndrew, Kyle Staney. And then James Chica lived in it one year, and then Devin Alves lived in it one year. So, like, those guys kind of started it and just handed it to us. <laughs> I'm pretty sure half their furniture they left. And then, uh, yeah, it got its own, like, basement remodeling, I guess. Yeah. Um, did, like, you being – did you – now, like, obviously, like, what you did at Mercier's, like, you were um, studying pre-med. Like I said, I remember on my recruiting visit, you – when we were walking to whatever house we were going to, you were talking about how you're just like, Oh, I got, you know, this eight to 10 page paper on this to do. And then I remember calling like laughing and being like, dude, just pick a different major. Like you have like 10 page <laughs> papers do like every week. And yeah. I was, I remember laughing about it being like, yeah, no, I'm definitely not trying to do that. Even though I did have to do that for my major, right. but like was, I, I think that like in terms of college as a whole, like I think that, and we don't, we're not going to like get into it cause that's not the point of it. But right. I always say that unless you need to, unless you're going to medical school, unless you want to be an attorney an accountant or something that's very specialized yep. and you have to have a lot of knowledge in that special area yep. school, you don't necessarily need to go to college. So like for you, so did you always, you. do you, have you always wanted to be in medicine or was like, why, like, and then obviously from that, 
you knew that, you know, what you did undergrad would lead to the success you had post-grad. So like, was there any part of you being like, okay, well, Mercerus isn't necessarily well known as a really good uh, medical program. Yeah. That like say Johns Hopkins is or something crazy like that. So like did that, did that play a factor into you going to Mercyhurst or so that's like two questions. I just asked yeah. one kind of. Um, so first question was, have I always uh, wanted to do that? Was that the first Yes. One? Yeah. Okay. Have you always wanted to do this or like, where did, what, like, why did you want to do this? Yeah. So I, I think like I grew around, my mom was a midwife and my dad was a PA. Um, and then my uncle Dan is in medicine as well. He's an ortho, new ortho surgeon in Buffalo actually. But I think just being around them and they kind of were like, kind of always grown when I was growing up, they were like, Oh, you got to do this. You got to do that. Kind of like steering me in one direction. Mm-hmm. And I think I just kind of leaned towards that. So to get there, I didn't know I wanted to be a doctor per se, but like in my mind, I was like, okay, I'll do something like with people that requires like further schooling past undergrad. So essentially I just, picked a lacrosse school or ended up getting lucky with a lacrosse school that had my major. Now, if Mercyhurst didn't have biology of some sort, I don't think I would have went there um, because obviously your career is the most important thing, but it did. So, you know, luckily I was, it, it worked out well, I guess. Um, Yeah. The program itself. So I think I didn't really think about like how good of a program I went to an undergrad because I wasn't even, I didn't even know what I wanted to do afterwards. So I didn't think that far ahead, I guess. Uh-huh. Uh, I just figured, you know, no matter where I went, if I got good grades, I would be well off. So, yeah, I pretty much really think about like I didn't, I wasn't thinking about postgraduate school while I was in high school, I guess is the easiest way to say that. Was your was your workload? Obviously, everyone that everyone's major, they say is the toughest major. But like you yeah. doing like pre-med and stuff like that did. How are you able to balance like being a captain, being one of the better players, contributing all the time, and then obviously your workload and your social life. Because I obviously like college is a lot of work in and of itself, but yeah. certain majors I feel like for your major, and I could be wrong, but I feel like if you're doing any type of like pre-med or anything that's going to lead to medicine, like your grades actually matter. So like there's that added pressure of like, okay, I got to also perform in the classroom to a certain degree that's a little bit higher than just the average. Right. Um so balancing it all was, I mean, it was a little bit more, I think it's just a little bit more saying no to other things that you don't have time for. So like there were definitely nights, week nights where I, or, and weekend nights where I would, you know, be staying in when Colin or Torp or somebody else was going out doing something in college. Um, and what helped was uh, a lot of the people that I was close with, like Ashley, for example, uh, she was doing the same thing, taking the same classes. So like, I had like a smaller social group, I guess I would say that I did do like work with that was Mm -hmm. outside of my best friends group. So I think I just had to say no to a few other aspects of things in life along the way than maybe other people did. Um, But, you know, that being said, everyone has to put a different amount of work into something. So I'm sure there's career paths that are harder, you know. Um, Yeah, I think you just miss out on a few things here and there. Yeah, but that's like with everything, anything, there's like a oh, yeah. sacrifice of something. But like, so what is the, because I genuinely don't know, and I'm sure like people that are like, listen, they okay. are either doing it and whatnot, but like, what is the path actually to med school? Like, would you have to take, do you have to do specific things or do they give you like a, a variety of like, okay, you could do biology as a major, or you could do pre-med as a major, or you could do public health as a major. Like, do you have to take specific things to lead you to med school? Like, what is that like path like? So if I think back to applying to med school, you had to, um, you didn't particularly have to do a certain major, like you didn't have to be biology or like sciences even like we, I had a few, um, people in my med school that were like geography and history majors, Mm -hmm. um, that were just good, well-rounded individuals. And I think most places just required that you took basic science classes. So for example, if you did you know, a geography major, you had to take like, I don't know, like anatomy and like gen chem and those Mm -hmm. things and, you know, show that you actually could, um, you know, show some promise in the sciences, even if you didn't major in it. So you didn't have to do a major, but I think, you know, thinking back, yeah, you did have to do some prerequisite classes at least. 
where uh where there's some things there has to be but like there's some classes or anything like that that you took and you're just like now that you're obviously you're are you you're in med school or you graduated med school no i graduated med school two years that's what ago, i thought so okay I'm a doctor now um humble brag <laughs> yeah humble brag i worked for it though so i'm not you know no of course I'll, I'll take it uh but anyway um no i'm a third year anesthesia resident at penn state okay so, so is there not like in training oh, to be an anesthesiologist you're good man um so like looking back on it is there, there has to be like are there some things that you saw um or not saw but like are there some things that you took classes on and stuff like that that looking back and you're just like that was a complete waste of time why did i have to take <laughs> that class just to get here you laugh because oh, we all have man. but i'm just curious all of it well ones. let's go back to your comment that you don't need undergrad to be successful so like I don't remember hardly anything from my, I mean, anything. I'm sure it provided a foundation in the back of my mind for like everything I did. But like, I really like, so I'm religious, but I had to take two religion classes in college, which I think is like kind of dumb, you know, Um, especially for people who aren't religious, Uh, had to take Mandarin. Never, I'll never use that. Um, just like stuff like that, that makes no sense. Probably my most valuable class in undergrad was like an accounting one-on-one class I took with Torpy as a senior. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, all that stuff might've provided a foundation to like, I don't know, just be an overall smarter person, but I don't think the exact information is really used in my everyday life. Yeah. I mean, I know like we understand it to a certain degree that like, obviously, College, colleges wouldn't be making money if like you didn't have to take these like prerequisites or like these pointless um elective classes and stuff Agreed. like that but yep. but at the same time like what is your thought because i ask people this sometimes like when i do these podcasts it's like do you think that there needs to be a little bit more emphasis on um like real life uh things that you could be going through in terms of like the sense of like not necessarily being like being it so job focused because obviously like in what world do you not work pretty much five to six days a week but more so of just like trying to develop the uh person themselves so like for you like you meeting with say like a school counselor not like a therapist but like a school counselor and just being like so what are your basic interests like what do you really want to do okay well you want to be a doctor okay well why Mm -hmm. do you want to be a doctor and kind of like make it almost like the psychology of like why you're doing things. Cause I feel like for some people, um, like I know people personally that like went to law school, graduated law school and now don't even want to be an attorney. And it's like, they have so much debt. Yeah. It's like, how and did then, that happen? Yeah, exactly. And then they're just like, fuck, I don't know what else to do. Cause I like, you know what I mean? And then they yeah. are miserable with what they, what they do and stuff like that. So like, if you could, I'm going to turn this on you rather than just that open it at openly and open. And I don't even know what I'm saying, whatever yeah, you're good. Oh, you, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. But like, if you were, if it was like up to you to like write the curriculum and do it for someone that is, wants to go to med school or take the same path as you, like what would be the undergrad curriculum that like you would write for them that you think is purposeful versus like taking all these like pointless classes. Oh geez. That's a tough one. So um, so I do think there is like something to be said about people taking some, like the, the classes that like, don't really contribute. Like we talked about, like religion that might not contribute to your career, right? Like religion or, um, some of these other ones, like for me, I don't really use like, I don't know, microbiology or anything like that. So I think there's something to be said about those contributing to being like a well-rounded person. So I would still have some classes that talk about like everyday things that go on and how people feel about it. Like I had, a, I think our senior capstone class, I'm, I, you probably had to take one of these too, where you, it's essentially a debate class where mm-hmm. the whole class is like prefaced on um, maybe recent events or like event in history and everybody researches it. And, you know, you talk about it and discuss it. And we had one when I was a senior about Hiroshima mm-hmm. and we had, this had to be like two nights a week for almost two months. So 16 classes, almost the entire semester, just debating this. And you learn so much about people and like different takes on things. And I think stuff like that could really apply to everyday life. Right. So mm-hmm. I would definitely have classes like that, probably more. Cause we only took one. I think like a class like that a year would be awesome, especially in like today's day and age where 
people can't really understand like why someone thinks the other way and they think their way is right. Right. So you see that in the political world. So I think that stuff like that. So a capstone class where you understand other people and talk about recent events. Um, I think I would still keep the basic science classes like anatomy, biology, gen chem, because that stuff is important for a foundation. If you Mm want to go down a medical path. Uh, And then as far as what you were saying, dude, I think that's a really good idea to have almost like, a career counselor slash therapist, or I don't even know what I would call it, but someone to, you know, go to and talk about your career choices, why you want to do something. And so you can better understand yourself because it really is hard. Like you need, you need someone almost looking in at you. Right. Yes. Um, and I think there, there are people in the world that we, that do that. What we not might not realize like our parents or like our coaches or our friends or something like that. But I think it would be good to have a dedicated person do that for you. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that would be like a monthly thing or what that would be or what, what that career title would even be. But I think that whole concept is a really good idea. Yeah. I mean, I think about it in the sense of like, like, so like, like my mom had me, my mom had me when she was 17, raised me on her own. And so like pretty much my whole life, I've seen her go against the grain and do things outside the box or seen her do things that like, people are like, don't do that. And she does it yeah. anyways. And she's been able to be successful in her own way. Right. And then I remember I came and you'll laugh at this. Cause you know, me. <laughs> you, you'll just like laugh, but I I've said it before on here where like I had a, we did, you know, how we had the summer readings you had to do for like New York state regents in high school. Uh, oh yeah. And they were brutal books too. Terrible. Brutal. Terrible. And, and me and me and Megan actually always did them together. Like he would read half the book. I would read the other half of the book and then yeah. we just like do the, <laughs> do the reports together. Cause in, we would do that for like a hundred page book, which now you can read that in like one day. But um, that's not really your priority when you're that young. But, and I remember I was just, I don't even know where I got it from, but I was like, you know what? I'm not turning in my book report. I'm going to turn it in like the next period or something. And I remember my, my teacher was just like, yeah, um, I'm going to have to like, I can't give you full credit for this. And I was just like, why? And he was just like, because you didn't turn it in on time. And I said, I basically I didn't say it this proper but I essentially was just like okay you're testing me on my obedience not my actual intellect and the guy's what? like <laughs> and you laugh because you know me and dude and I'm that just is like, so funny <laughs> and I'm just like I'm like this makes no sense and he goes okay we'll <laughs> stay after and and I remember I asked my mom and I'm just like yo like is that because I was naive and I'm thinking in high school I'm thinking like okay as soon as I am done with college and I'm in the real world. Like I'm going to be making enough money that I can do whatever the hell I want and stuff like that. And I just thought that people worked the way they work because they had families to support and all that stuff. And I'm like, okay, if I'm single, I'm in the real world, I could do whatever the hell I want. If I don't want to like go to work, I don't have to go to work. I could work remote. Like just all these like naive things that you think when you're young. And she basically was just like, yeah, well, unless you're your own boss and, um you're gonna have to do this you only get this much vacation time and that and i'm just like that seems like prison to me i'm just like wait a second so how do okay then how do people become bosses and then like just these general things i was just curious about because none of it ever made sense to me and then obviously um doing real estate when i was uh i started doing real estate when i was a sophomore and then obviously being around you know, business mentors, or like, I would show up like the one financial management class, I missed the exam, I missed one of our exams. And the professor's like, Yeah, like it counts as zero, like you weren't here. But I literally was doing an open house in Buffalo and was collecting a commission check. And so I remember coming back and I'm like, all right, I'm getting a zero because I missed this assignment, which I, you get the syllabus, they tell you when the exams are, of course, there's no excuse there. I'm not making an excuse with that. But I'm like, wait a second, this could affect my future and potentially cause me not to get um, a job because it's going to affect my GPA. Yet I just made X amount of money doing this that they're not teaching us in school. So like it never, then I started to think like, okay, wait a second. Like obviously school itself is a business. There's a business model to it, but it's just like, what, what are we really doing here? Cause then obviously once you go further into like investing and you think about like, obviously real, real life stuff, like you said, one of your most important classes was accounting where it's like a lot of people don't even understand the basics of investing. And I'm not saying I do. I'm just saying most people don't understand the basic uh, basics of, of investing. They don't know the difference between an LLC or a sole proprietorship or yep. just all like taxes in general and stuff like that. Even NFL players, they say like, 
I just heard Jalen Ramsey say, like, when he first got in the league, he was just blowing millions because he didn't understand taxes, didn't understand personal and financing and stuff like that. Now, I always thought, like, those would be so much more better things to teach people than yes. to be than to be like, okay, well, we're going to learn about um, the ancient Aztecs uh, religion and what they ate and how they <laughs> looked at the sun to learn math. It's like, yo, that's cool and all, but like, yeah. how the, how the fuck does that apply? To well, that? let's add that class to our, your and I's undergrad curriculum, because I think you're, you hit the nail on the head with that one. Like, let's learn how to pay rent. Let's learn how the stock market works. Let's learn how taxes work. Let's learn mm-hmm. all this stuff that people don't tell us. So that when we get a job or, you know, you can chase the dream and be your own boss, which is, would be amazing. You know, um, you know how to do all that stuff. Yeah. And it never, to me, it's like, or you could just cut out the, uh, school tuition money and just look everything up online, I guess. Well, and then that's the other thing too, is like, you hear, like, it's kind of, it's like, kind of like, uh, it's like a very thin line that you have to walk because like, from people that like I've been, I've been around people that have like mentored me like when I was in Boston and stuff that have like money money like I didn't know people have money like that type of money and they were just straight up like yeah this class waste of time this class waste of time this class waste of time and it always came back to me that it was the classes that like people that were in like a you know an authoritarian position I don't want to say it like that because it's not like it was like a communist situation it was just straight up like they were the professor or something like that they yeah. were like you need this to succeed and then you get around people that are actually successful and they're like yeah that's a crock of shit so yes. I'm always like curious like what are actually the things that we need to learn and yeah. then on top of it too it's like you're stressing out over some I don't know like ancient Aztec history paper whereas like if you fail it you get a zero and that affects your GPA and it's like all that unneeded pressure it's just like yeah. what like so what's now the purpose whole, of it your whole life is spinning around because you forgot to hand in ancient Aztec homework yeah and so yeah, like it's crazy to think about no and, and like that's the thing and then obviously like uh I know you know this but like there was a couple classes at Mercier's that I took that I'm just like this is fucking pointless and I wouldn't show up and then coach Ryan suspended me for a couple games and I remember like you put the one uh we were doing 6v6 on half field the one day and you you said to me you're just like bro I don't know what you're doing in the class but like if it's your grades like and you need help I can help you and I was just like dude I'm just not going to class because this class is our point like you're like I I agree with you but like that affects what we're trying to do here on the field so you've got to go to um but like with with uh with like what you're doing, I always am curious of like all that work that you do. Cause it's a shit ton of work to go through med school and stuff. Like how yeah. much, not that you're shortcutting the process, but like yeah. how much of that did you actually need versus like how much you didn't need? Okay. So med school itself. Um, I think, so after undergrad, I think most of med school you completely need. Uh-huh. Um, there is just no way to beat around the bush to getting to where I am. Uh, I mean, all of it. I I can't think of like one thing in med school that we learned that really doesn't apply or that I can't use in some way in my everyday-to-day practice. So, I mean, there are a few things like that we learned, like uh, manipulation of the neck and like different bones of the body that I don't do, but I can still use like the knowledge that I gained from learning about that stuff to like help people every day. So I think once I hit med school, everything did matter. Mm-hmm. did like what is now like okay you're in mid school now like obviously you graduated but like yep. you're in med school what were some of the things that you thought like what what were some things that caught you off guard about med school that would be the best way to answer that so um some things that caught me off guard were how cut cutthroat people were it was like um we'll get to like the differences in med school and residency because there's like a vast stark difference mm-hmm. but yeah. In med school, you sh- I mean, you showed up every day with all these people. Everybody was so smart. So, like, I got there and I thought I was smart. I definitely had to be, like, I worked so freaking hard just to be average in med school. And mm-hmm. whereas, like, previously, it kind of was like, I worked hard, but it was, like, more natural, I guess. Yeah. And then I got there. Everybody's so cutthroat. Everybody, nobody's like, there's some nice people. You have friends, but people are just you know, competing, you're competing against your classmates every day. And it's just like kind of an uncomfortable environment because everybody knows that and everyone has anxiety about stuff. And I don't know. It was, yeah, was... That's, so that's what I was surprised about. How, how like uptight everybody was and just competitive, I guess. 
that's how uh, a couple of my friends that went to law school, they said the same thing that it's yeah. just like, you almost like some assignments you want to like work together with people on just cause it's like, you're not, not that you don't know what to do, but it's just more so of like, it would be having another set of eyes on the issue or the problem helps, right. but people like aren't open to that. They're like, nah. And in like the kindest words possible, they're pretty much like, go oh, fuck yourself. Figure yeah. it out yourself. Yeah. Well, I experienced like people would be like, gossipy which is crazy because you're you know 23 at this point 20 yeah you you don't got time for that people are just so gossipy and you can't i couldn't believe it and everybody wants to know what somebody else got on an exam or if they passed their boards and this and that and i'm just like get me out of here like i just want to do my own thing and i did it with ashley luckily so her and i went through Mm -hmm. the same class every day together um and, you know, we went through the same thing. It was like, we just don't want to be a part of this kind of toxic environment. Mm-hmm. So we did our own thing kind of in med school. She had a little smaller group of friends. And so did I, like I played beer league hockey with some guys mm-hmm. um, who I still talk to every day. And like pretty much that small group of like 20 people out of the 170 were pretty much my only good friends, I guess I would say. Yeah. What's the, what's the work, what's the workload like for it? Cause obviously yeah. school, that's no joke. Like you're going to be busting your ass every single day. But at the same time, there's always that like disconnect of like how, what, like it's actually like, and then you mm-hmm. get there, you're in those classrooms and you're like, Oh shit. Like I knew it was going to be crazy. I didn't know it was going to be this much though. Yeah. It was like that. Exactly what you're saying. So um, how it worked with our schedule was the first two years we're all in the classroom and every Monday uh-huh. we get an exam every Monday morning. And I was kind of a procrastinator. So you learn stuff during the week and like on the weekdays, Monday through Thursday after class, I would kind of, you know, do my own thing, study a little bit, watch some Netflix with Ashley, hit the gym on those days. And then when the weekend came, cause I had an exam on Monday, like Usually Friday night, I did nothing. And then all day Saturday, and by all day, I mean like 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. And then the same thing Sunday, like studying somewhere, whether we went to a coffee shop or like down by the water by Presque Isle, you know. So the weekends were pretty much gone except for Friday nights. And even the weekdays were like at least a little bit of work. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when boards came around, so like we had, you take your, first board exam after your second year of med school in I think May or June and when that started I want to say in February it was like every day get home from class at five and I would be up studying until like 10 or 11 and then Ashley tried Ashley worked a lot harder than I did she'd be up until like midnight one o'clock every night (laughs) Um, do you mean that or are you just saying that because you know she's gonna listen (laughs) no I I mean that dude I really mean that because if it weren't for her being up that late and like working me seeing how hard she was working, I don't think I would have even gotten through to be honest with you. Um, mm-hmm. But she worked her tail off, man. And her, all of her scores and like where she is right now show go is uh goes to show like what she did. And mm-hmm. she kind of like almost pulled me through, I guess I would say. Yeah. Is it like, um, I know for like friends of mine that like have graduated law school, they say that your first year of law school is the toughest because they're trying to weed the people out that yeah. really don't want to be there. Or don't belong there. Is it the same with med school that way? Um, I don't think they weeded anyone out really. Like if you were there, they push you through the weeding out comes when you take like your national board exams. If you don't pass those, then you're kind of in the bind. But uh-huh. uh, the first year probably, I think the second year was the hardest because of the board exam. Um, Mm -hmm. The first year at the beginning was hard because I was, I mean, the hardest part was dude being like 15 minutes down the road from you guys and not being able to do what I did the year before every day, you know, with all my best boys. So that made it harder. Uh, Yeah. Well, there was times where we knew like we would hit you up and just to like come over and watch the like sunday night game and we'd be like yo yep. we're not even going to the stone we're just we're literally just chilling uh just like come chill with the boys and you would just be like I, like honestly i'd be able to chill for 10 15 minutes like i can't and i'm yeah. just like damn damn definitely like, that adjustment. Came over there um, no uh yeah there was tons of nights you came over and chilled but, with us yeah but it definitely was like probably once every two weeks yeah mm-hmm. something like that yeah it, so, it was just, yeah, that's, that's gotta be hard, especially being, like you said, right down the road. And then you're yeah. just like, oh shit, it's not, it's I can't, not Mercy I can't, Hurst anymore. No, it's not, yeah. it's not. So, um, and then what was like, 
how how much would you say you know like kind of wrapping up here like how much would you say the discipline of being a captain making sure that you know you're carrying your your uh your part on the team and then like obviously getting being good at a sport how much do you think that discipline ties into you know you being good within your professional field oh a lot i think i actually like talked about that on a lot of my residency interviews and stuff and Mm-hmm. Um, I think I probably have answered this question like a hundred times, so I should have it down pat, but it's been a few years. So, uh, I mean, it ha- it helped in different aspects. Like it, the big thing was, uh, the teamwork thing that you mentioned. So you kind of relate to everybody. You get to know everyone. You can read everyone's moods. Um, you have sympathy for people, you have empathy for people. Um, and that, that kind of ties into residency the most because, just like we had a team of 50 guys back then we have, you know, 50, Oh, actually over 60, about 67 anesthesia residents, obviously guys and girls of all different ages, races, everything else in the world. And you work with these people every day, just like we played lacrosse and went to school every day. And you just kind of like become a vital team member and you're always doing something to help somebody else out. And that's like the only way to really get through the grind of residency. I guess. And then just, I guess the balance thing. And like when I was in med school, um, being able to go like practice to school, to doing homework, to going out with the guys, like, I don't know, just kind of always having your engine running is what got me through med school. I think. Yeah. Cause I'm always like, I think that if you do play a sport like that discipline, especially like playing in college and that, that schedule and the grind and stuff like that, when you get into the real world, it kind of makes the transition a little bit easier because you were, you already doing something that is like heavily loaded on a schedule basis and like constantly having to do more, like where if like you have a shitty game, you're like, okay, I got to get an extra lift in or get more, get more shots in and shit like that. So like, I was always curious if like other people think that like the transition is, um, if the transition is like easier because you played a sport or like what it was. Cause I've heard both sides. Like I've heard people be like, no, it doesn't make it easier. But then I hear from other people that like that discipline structure and routine that they had in sports, they just translate that into what like their professional field is. So it's like, rather than, um, you know, watching film, like you can't fucking really watch film on like something, but you could read up or take an extra class or like do something like that. Yeah. I uh, agree with you completely. Um, I mean, I obviously did that, so I don't really know the other side of the story. Like, if you didn't play a sport, like how you did. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you see you see college athletes and, you know, even people who just played organized sports, they're successful, they're social. Um, I think the biggest thing with just being successful in any aspect of life is just putting effort and being present in the moment of what you're doing. And, like, mm-hmm. I guess I would call it mindfulness. So, like everything put together in life if there's one good word i can use is mindfulness like being present in the moment of what you're doing putting effort towards what you're doing and like that's one thing i'm getting totally off topic here but like i sometimes what i do and do this next time when you're standing in line in like a cafeteria or in like a fast food place wherever you are in the airport just like put your phone in your pocket and look around at how many people are on their phones and they're not mindful of what is going on dude like they're just reading the virtual world which is just crazy no it's uh i was actually just i was in miami last week visiting megan and i was looking around when we were at i forget where we were but i was looking around and literally everyone was taking like taking snaps and taking and i was like i was thinking to myself i was just like yo if, and we all do it, so it's not like um, yeah, I'm guilty of it too. I'm guilty. everyone, everyone oh, is yes. guilty of it. Yep. But I was just sitting there thinking, I'm just like, damn. I'm like, I wonder, and I don't know where it came off, but I was just thinking, I'm like, you know, if you couldn't take pictures or couldn't take snaps and stuff, would would half the people do half the things they do? It, I don't and think I, so. No, I was I was thinking about it, and I'm just like. Ah. I do not think so. People do it for the for the Instagram, dude. They do it for the yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I was, and it was just a thought that popped in my head. Like, I mean, kind of like saying what you were saying, but no, I think that's actually like how we got off topic. I think it's a good uh, transition to like the last couple questions I have for you. So the first one is is, um, and I ask everyone this, but like, if you could meet eighteen year old Trevor today, two things: what would be, what's the one thing you would tell him about like the ups and downs, 
um, in either whether it's like life, uh, what you're doing in the real world or just like in general. And then two, what would be the uh, wise piece of words that you would give uh, 18 year old Trevor to carry with him moving forward in life? Whoa. Okay. So 18 would have been senior in high school. Yes. Uh, words of wisdom. Uh, what would you, what would you tell them about the ups and downs in life? And then the second Whoa. part of that okay. would be what piece of wise words would you give him to always carry with him moving forward in life? Okay. All right. I got you. Um, all right. So I'm going to use some stuff that I learned along the way so I can go back and tell myself earlier in life. Okay. So the ups, what I learned about the ups and downs. So there's going to be ups and downs, no matter what, if you're in a down, if you're, if you're down in life or you're going through some shit, uh, hang in there, hang tight because it's got to come back up at some point in time. And if Mm -hmm. you're riding a high, don't get overconfident. Don't get overzealous. Don't think, take things for granted. Still keep working hard and be, you know, present of everything present and aware of everything that's going on around you and where you are in life. And if you got it good, you know, don't, don't take it, don't take advantage of it. Remember that you can go back down at any time. So, um, that's my ups and downs. What was the next one? And then the, what piece of wise words would you give yourself to carry with you moving forward in life? To carry with me. So, uh, I would probably go back and say everything you do, leave it better than you found it. Everything that you're a part of, Leave it better than you found it because there's going to be people behind you that are going to come through. Same as you did, just like you did with me at Mercyhurst. And uh-huh. um, leave it better for people. Make sure people have a good experience uh, in life, I guess. And then, um, like my aunt always told me where I got the word mindful, just be mindful of other people. You know, what? look, take, look up from your phone, look at people, see what they're going through, see what kind of mood they're in. You know, ask them questions about your life. Like, this is so cool what you're doing right now, you know? Like, mm-hmm. we haven't talked in a, in a minute, man. And, like, this is just something like a podcast can, you know, make us catch up. Yeah, 100%. And um, the last thing, and this might be a little put you on the spot, but I, okay. I did it I did it the last episode I did, and I think I want to start doing it now. Right. But everyone, everyone, whether they want to admit to it or not, they do believe in speaking things into existence in some realm, not like yeah. super, but yeah. what is one thing that uh, you want to, and it could be anything. It could be yeah. even like, uh, I want to go to a Yankees game when they're okay. in the World Series again, like yeah. whatever. What is one thing that um, you want to speak into existence for yourself that you're going to say right now? Oh my goodness, for my whole life. What am I going to make happen, man? Um like one, what's one thing you're hell bent on like making happen? One thing that I'm hell bent on making happen in my life, I don't care how long it takes, is living near my two brothers and whoever their spouses are, so that we can see each other and be be near each other in life. So I don't know when that's going to happen. Right now, my middle brother is in Washington State. Quentin lives in Buffalo still, and I'm here. So. Hopefully at some point in the next couple of years or whenever we can all kind of live geographically in the same place and be together more, I guess that's what I'm going to speak into existence. Yeah, no, I love that. I mean, family, obviously family trumps all. So yeah. And you guys, you guys are all pretty close. Yeah, we are. We still talk a lot. I mean, Ty being on a different time zone makes it a little bit difficult. Um, Mm -hmm. And all of our work schedules, obviously, but I think we still got the family group chat that we talk in every day and, make fun of my parents obviously <laughs> uh, my mom sends videos of her like singing outside to the birds she's nuts uh, so you know we stay in touch but that's one thing with like my career path that I do probably the worst part about the entire thing is it just takes you away from everybody in a way that you really can't control so no 100 percent you know, that's one thing in Pennsylvania yeah, that's one thing I always said, like, uh, they should, te- they should have a class. Um, let me know. Uh, they should have a class on that of like prepping you for like, cause everyone knows you're going to, everyone disperse and goes their own little ways. Like everyone knows that, but then like yeah. to actually like feel it, people are yeah. just like, Oh, I fucking wasn't ready for that. Yeah, man. It's, it's kind of weird. And you don't realize like COVID has probably delayed a lot of like extended family reunions and stuff for like for me it's my you know my brother and the two people I'm closest with and I see Quinn a lot but Ty it's like impossible to get out there and see him and you know I have a nephew now and stuff so it's like 
you know, just trying to see people and get back in touch with them is my main goal. And one thing that I want at some point. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But I mean, like you said, it's cool. Like, cause we haven't talked in a minute that yeah, it's man. like, it's the type of relationships where it's just like, I haven't talked to you in God knows how long, but then you pick right back up where, where you left off. Yeah, man. That that's what came from those streets in Erie, Pennsylvania. Literally. So, well, I, uh, yeah, we're going to end, we're going to end the podcast on that. And, uh, I appreciate you doing this because I know how busy you are with all the shit you got going on. Dude, it was a pleasure. This was fun. Yeah. So I, I thank you. And, uh, once I get, I know I was telling like Ben Derek and, and them about it, but like once I get, can get, uh, a better like system where I can have multiple people on at once. That's when it'll really get fun when I can do like an episode oh, with like a bunch of, your... a bunch of the boys on. Yeah. <laughs> get me right on there with Derek and Ben. Oh my God. Yeah. And then add vegan in the mix and fucking oh, get concrete Jesus. and all that. Yeah. It'd be, I don't know if I can handle vegan anymore, man. I'm getting old. <laughs> fucking handle he's that still, guy yeah he's he's uh he's a character to say the least yo i just gotta say one thing to tyler megan steve maddie <laughs> yeah he's gonna love that he uh, loves yeah. that he gets mentioned on a lot of these he feels Dude, like little, the last celeb. one you had the last one you had um with i forget his name but he was the first thing he said is like i was the babysitter for tyler megan and i like heard in his voice, just his mind was just reeling at all the experience he's had with Tyler Megan, like reeling. Yeah, so well, I was he, cracking up with it. Yeah, he um for a while, and I was just like, yeah, I'm like, he he lived in New York City, and then he lived in Miami, and he travels a lot for work. So between that, just those two things alone, yeah. I was just like, yeah, I need to I need to get you on here. We gotta talk, we gotta chat. We gotta talk. He's ten years older than me too, so I'm just like, okay, you have a way different perspective oh, on things. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah that's so fun. who you got next? Did you do uh, Maddie Hall last week? No, 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 no. It's funny because I was supposed to do one with her last week, and yeah. just things got. And then this weekend or last weekend, I actually ended up meeting her. I ended up meeting her in person. And oh, really? She was just yeah. We talked for a little bit. Um, she was at the bar that I was at, and we just and then one of my my uh, my buddy Mike he uh, with one of her. It was, well, it was a small world because this girl, he's asking this girl like what she does and whatnot, and she was just like, oh yeah, yeah. an assistant, or I work with Buffalo Food Slut, and then he's like, no way, my friend's about to do a podcast with her and stuff like that. <laughs> so yeah, I'm gonna get her. She actually said she was. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I don't know if it was her that said it or someone else, but someone was like, I, I want to say it was her that was like maybe 50-50 on it, even though they already said they would do it. And then they listened to a bunch yeah. and they're like, oh, yeah, I definitely want to do it now. So, yeah, I'll right. get uh, – it, it'll be a good episode with her because uh, she's very interesting to say the least. Yeah, she was really good friends with Ash growing up. They went to the – I think they graduated high school together. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, Dude, it's such there. a small world. I know, man. It is. So, it really but, is. All right, yo, I'll let you go. I appreciate you doing this. All right, man. All right, I'll see you, brother. Thanks for having me. Of course. Later, bro. See you.